After a brief holiday hiatus, it's The Difference. I'm Dan O'Donnell alongside Dave Spano, the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. Dave, I trust you had a wonderful holiday season, a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Yeah, it was really nice. It's a great time to spend with the family, had the kids uh, back in, and so it's always a great time of the year, and it's really a good time to reset and, and rest and relax, and then, of course, hit 2023 running. Well, I wish I could say the same for the markets. We, we hit 2023 limping. Yeah. Uh, really a, an historically bad year, uh, 2022. And there are fears that 2023 might actually be worse, that we're looking at the potential for a recession. Yeah, and, and this has been the most awaited recession call I can ever remember. And there's no question. Let's go back and talk about 2022. It has been a, an awful year. If you take a, a balanced portfolio, something like a 60-40 mix, 60 equities, 40 bonds, you have to go all the way back to the late 1800s to find something that has been this bad because generally one side or the other does well. If equities do bad, bonds usually are the keep the portfolio afloat, and, and they both were doing poorly in large part because of the old axiom, don't fight the Fed. And the Fed had been, right. Dan, the Fed has been throwing money at the economy since the 2008 financial crisis in the form of quantitative easing. And not only here in the United States, it became something around the world. And so now, guess what? The, the party's over, the New Year's Eve party is over, and you have to sober up. That means that the quantitative tightening has now been introduced into 2022, and that will continue in 23, and that is really taking money out. And, and how they do that are two ways. One, obviously, raising interest rates, what we all know about to try to fight inflation, but then taking money out of the economy. They went from $800 billion on their balance sheet to $9 trillion that they printed and put in the economy, and they were trying to figure out how they had inflation, which is just mind-boggling. So that is going to turn around now. And so with quantitative tightening, you're going to have to go through your portfolio and find out how you're going to survive going to 2023 and beyond, and especially if we have a recession. Yeah, and and this is something that I don't think people are quite grasping. Right. Do you follow me on this? Like, 100%. there is this sea change that all of a sudden you're not going to be able to have easy money, yeah. cheap money. Right. That that the, the days of you know a three point nine percent mortgage right. are gone and possibly gone for good. Now there's a competing school of thought that says, all right, that we have become so addicted to low interest rates, so addicted to quantitative easing for so long that as soon as we get through this current hurdle, we're right back to record low interest rates. Yeah, so just a couple of real good points. Number one, you think about a 3% mortgage. If you take the average, the median house price in the United States and apply a 3% mortgage on 30 years, that payment came out to $1,400. Now do that same math on a 6.5% mortgage that mortgage payment on a 30-year mortgage is $2,300. Yeah, that's a 60% increase. And so there's no question that they're trying to make an effect, especially with the housing markets. But you made the really good point. Will they go back to quantitative easing? They may not put money in, but low interest rates is something that they have a conundrum with. Why? $30 trillion in debt in this country. And how do you finance that debt? You, you do that through long mortgage bonds. And so if you have to take $30 million and put a 5% interest rate on $30 trillion, that's $1.5 trillion in interest payments alone, more than the defense budget and other parts of the budget. So they have a motivation for sure to try to keep interest rates low. 
and it would seem as though they're going to try to get back to low interest rates as soon as they can. I mean, yep. as you said, this is the most forecast and predicted recession possibly in the history of economics. As soon as it quote unquote passes, mm -hmm. as soon as there is relatively safe haven for doing so, do you think there is a huge push to go back to record low interest rates? Yes. And I'm going to tell you why. is because, you know, the big lever that the Federal Reserve has is interest rates. That's always been the case. They have a dual mandate, right? Two jobs, full employment and inflation control or price control. So as soon as they get past, they're going to break something, in my opinion. The chances of a soft landing are, are one in four. And so if they break it into a recession, you know, Powell said early on, there's going to be pain. That's what he was talking about. And so, of course, if we have a recession, how are they going to get themselves out of a recession? That's to bring interest rates back down. And that's the term that we may hear throughout 2023. Will there be a pivot? So, you know, once we get another interest rate raise in, in February of this year, 2023, perhaps one in March, 25 basis points in February, and then in March, what do they do? Well, they're going to pause their interest rate hikes for sure and find out how much damage they really did. But then the next step after that will be the pivot. In other words, the pivot back to lower interest rates. And yes, I do think that's happening. Do you think it's likely late 2023? I mean, everybody I know seems to be forecasting uh, late Q1 2023, early Q2 uh, 2023. That's when we really see, I mean, we're already seeing, especially in the tech sector, we've had, you know, this unprecedented decade of growth as the socials, as, you know, Apple and Tesla and just explosion. Well, we've seen those companies have to take major haircuts. They've had to do major layoffs as we see more of that and you see the real impacts of the recession as we know recessions are cyclical we get them they happen the question is how long and how deep i guess my question to you is how soon before it's actually safe to go back to lower interest rates because we've still got a massive problem with inflation i mean yep. i know ahead of the election we were celebrating oh my goodness year over year inflation is only 7.7 percent or whatever it was well it's still going up month over month that's a huge problem yeah and i i guess i don't see there being a quick fix or a quick pivot quick turnaround out of this mess am i unnecessarily eeyore-ish Optimistic? No. And I'll tell you why. They're going to pause. So we're talking about a pivot here. And the pivot is to, to start lowering interest rates. I don't think the Federal Reserve pivots until they know that they've got inflation under control. Here's their conundrum. So you look at all of the inputs into inflation. Rent equivalency is one of those. It's a big part of it. It's about 40%. And you look at other parts, inputs into the CPI and in, in, the, in the PPI reports. Those have peaked according to some of the economists right now. The big part where they're having problems is in the economic wages. So the wages of employees going up, that's wage inflation. How are you going to tell a small company you yep. can't give higher wages when if you don't, they're going to go across the street to the other manufacturing job or other bank or wherever they're going to go. So you're going to continue to see that. This is a structural problem that they're trying to fix with a temporary tool. Raising short-term interest rates will certainly cause job losses. We're starting to see that, and there's no doubt 
Goldman Sachs. Of course, the, the blue chip uh, silk stocking firm out of New York is starting to cut jobs. But everywhere else, you've seen retailers, you've seen tech companies starting to cut jobs. But there is a, a fundamental structural issue. And you can say it's everything from how we've handled immigration to how we've handled free money. There's a lot that goes into the population growth. You know, we've handed free money out and some people don't want to go back to work. This right. is a structural issue, Dan. And I don't know that. And I, th- I think that's actually, Dave, sorry to interrupt. I think that's a bigger issue than people think. It, that You do still have this, what did they call it? The great resignation. We're still yeah. seeing the impact. To be sure, a lot of it is a lot of the baby boomers are reaching retirement age. So that's a major part of this great resignation. You might also call it a great retirement. But we did, especially when we had enhanced unemployment and all of the COVID stimulus, but we still have made it far easier than ever before to not work. And I fear that we've hit this sort of critical mass where people have decided, I mean, think about it. If I could make, just for the sake of arguments, let's say... $2,000 $2,000 a month in just government benefits for not working. Why would I want to drag myself out of bed at 6 a.m., shower, get ready, deal with traffic, get to work at a job that I hate for a boss that I hate? Those employers need to raise rates need to raise wages rather to entice those people to get off the couch. It's not just you're you're not just competing for employees with other businesses. You're competing for employees with unemployment, with yep. the government, with uh inertia to sit on the couch and not work. And I mean, I think you talk about the structural problem with that. There, there's a huge structural problem. And I think that might be the biggest one of all. Yeah. And that's the reason why. And again, and I have to go back to immigration. I'm talking to employers who are saying, you know, we're going to go to Eastern Europe or wherever and try to get employees to come to this country on some type of a work permit because we just can't get the people. And of course, you know, we know we know what the problems are on, on the southern border. So there's an immigration issue. There is a cultural issue. There's a fiscal issue. So I don't know that raising interest rates in the short term is going to make this drove of people come back to work. There's still this imbalance of people looking for jobs in the unemployment rate. So we're going to get some of that information this week. We're going to get jolts. We're going to get wage reports. We'll see if the Fed is making small steps. So we'll have to talk about that. And that'll be, again, an argument that will go on for a severe amount of time. However, if you go and look look through your portfolio and you say, what do I do here? Well, with the rising interest rates, interest rates are matter to the valuation of bonds and stocks and real estate. So go through your portfolio and say, maybe, for example, active management is going to do better than passive management. That is something the exchange-traded funds have just blown up because you could throw a dart against the wall. And so now people's resources are going to be shown. So passive versus active, international versus domestic, small versus large, fixed income is now an opportunity. We talk about, for example, Tina. I used to always joke about it was my Italian cousin. And Tina, there is no alternative. Well, guess what? There is an alternative now to stocks yeah. because bonds, cash, for example, money markets are paying 4%. So all of this is going to change the dynamics that we're looking at. And the best place to know what you own and, and why you own it is AnnexWealth.com. You can get a portfolio review. We talk about it all the time here on this podcast. It's called a free wealth metric. Once again, 
AnnexWealth.com. And, and Dave, when you talk about those opportunities, when you talk about fixed income, I guess my question is twofold. One, are we going to see a sort of pause in what I've dubbed the great retirement as baby boomers are simply financially unable? I mean, when your portfolio takes as massive of a hit yep. as it has over the past year, almost by necessity, you need to delay retirement. And secondarily- Or, or, or not delay, come back to work. We're seeing yeah, that or now. actually return, right? Right, right when your, your money just isn't going nearly as far. I mean, I just- I, I hate to continue to sound like a doomsayer, but when you've got a market that is down and you've got stuff whose prices are up across the board, the essentials, it's not just used car prices and airline tickets. It's everything. It is literally everything you need to live. So you can't just avoid unnecessary spending. I mean, this this just seems to me like it is about as bad as it gets for people who are at or near retirement age. And so that's the reason why you have to stress test your portfolio. And of course, you know, we are starting to see, Dan, you know, people who are plus 65 years of age coming back in and saying, I, I would like to work Tuesdays and Thursdays if that's okay with you. And, you know, these are really talented people. But what you're talking about is going through and making sure that you've stress tested your portfolio. And that's the financial planning side. Go through and go understand your risk. Let's do that. And we do. We put it up on the screen and we go, what if, what if, what if this goes on for three years? What is your portfolio going to look like? And do you have enough to retire? Or if you're retired, is your money going to last as long as you are? These are the questions. And a lot of people come in, Dan, and they go, all right, this is what I have. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a 75-year-old man and I don't want to uh, have my, my wife eating cat food. And so, yeah. therefore, we go through this process and say, let's make sure it's going to last. That's the financial planning. When you come in, and I don't want to turn this into a commercial, but when you come in, we, we give you two deliverables. One is the framework for the financial plan. We walk through that. And then number two is a second set of eyes on what you own. And there's a place to get that done. I say this with no blow and smoke or anything like that. The service you provide, especially in times of uncertainty like this, is is truly invaluable because it's like going through a jungle, man. And all of a sudden, the the growth has just gotten out of control, and there is a tiger lurking somewhere. See, that's there. See, you didn't watch Yellowstone. Hey, you don't watch Yellowstone, but that <laughs> happened. I know, right? Dave Michaels is listening. To this. That yeah, happened. Yeah. The guy got jumped I, on. I, all right. Okay, that settles it. You know what? My new New Year's resolution is. Watch it. I've got to watch Yellowstone because everyone I know is talking about it, and I need a new show to yeah, watch. But just so yeah, just just prepare Mrs. O'Donnell to before you do that. Just so, oh boy, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. There's All right, well, I'll tell you what. When we come back on next week's edition of the Difference, hopefully I'll have a couple of episodes under my belt for Dave Spano. I am Dan O'Donnell, Yellowstone newbie, saying thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Difference. Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of the podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks.
Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.